welcome to the Embracing Brokenness podcast, where our goal is to engage with all of those willing to venture deeper into their transformational journey with Christ. Here are your hosts and the co-founders of Embracing Brokenness Ministries, Steve and Colleen Adams. Welcome back, friends, to the Embracing Brokenness podcast. I have with me in the studio again today, Colleen. And one of the questions that we want to ask in general terms on this podcast for you to think about and for maybe us to define a little better is, can humans flourish in the absence of shalom? So I want you to think about that as we talk about it together here. But what do you think, Carl? Yeah, I think it's a question that I've been hearing from people for a while. It's a question in my own life as I've worked with individuals, you know, dealing with the brokenness of sin. Um, to do that in a secular environment, I found that I didn't have the answers that actually would lead to lifelong restoration. So for me, the answer would be an emphatic no, absent shalom. Um, and my current understanding of shalom, which I did not understand for a lot of years, and the more I dig into it, it's pretty impressive what we're created for. I just don't think we can flourish by a biblical definition of flourishing if we do not have shalom. So this is a relevant topic for all of us in the post-COVID era, because there was a lot of that time when we spent isolated where mm -hmm. Shalom was absent. It was a almost a figment of our imagination because part of it was uh, struggling to understand what was happening in the world around us, but also mm -hmm. the breakdown of relationships. And yes. there's a big piece of it. Yep. So why this topic now? What do you think? Well, I, I think the world is trying to find solutions to problems that God has given us answers to, but we want to define problems in a way secularly and scientifically that um, will only lead to results that are kind of filling voids with synthetic things. I mean, God has given us the answers in scripture very, very clearly. And it feels like there's more of them. Maybe it's because of the you know 24 hour news cycle and social media. But the reality is the consequences of the fall we're hearing come through very, very loudly in what the secular world is uncovering. Well, I think this there's some proof. This was a little bit surprising to me, but we've heard this very recently from the Surgeon General, the current mm -hmm. Surgeon General, who was also prior, Murthy. And he said in very simple terms, we have an epidemic of loneliness in this country. I would go beyond that to say it's likely around the world, but let's just yes. focus on what we know about here in the United States. And here's some stats around that. Mm. Over 50% of Americans which equates to millions when you think about it, of mm -hmm. people, mm -hmm. live with a profound sense of loneliness, decreases life expectancy by 30%, which that's a little bit surprising, mm -hmm. uh, and is more dangerous than obesity and drug abuse, according to their studies. Yeah. Now, also, um, knowing this to be true, the Surgeon General was pretty transparent about it. He suffered 
a lot. He, a lot of this was real in his own life, yes. uh, where, where he had to work so hard, and uh, you know, and oftentimes it had major impact on his family, his friends, mm -hmm. uh, and it ruined relationships. We talked about relationships mm -hmm. that could have been life giving in a time when you know we're really struggling with loneliness. Yes. And what are the causes? Okay, according to this research, it's social media. There's a surprise. Uh, lack of service to others, which I thought was really fascinating. Mm -hmm. Lack of being present with others due to te technology. Mm -hmm. I think that's pretty obvious. You just go into any restaurant, half the oh time my. there's people with phones and devices in their face. Right. right. Not spending time with loved ones, which for clearly is a cause of dissolution of the family unit and family time is critical to that. Mm -hmm. And focus on making money, which, mm -hmm. um, okay, contrary to logic, wealth actually increases loneliness. Mm -hmm. Okay, gated communities, for example, uh, which happens a lot for those who have been successful. They live in gated communities. There's an absence of neighborhood. Mm -hmm. You know, I know growing up, you know, you, you probably the same case. Like we, we knew all our neighbors and oh, yeah. friends, and we just, Whenever at the end of school, we'd run and do that. We wouldn't have a device in our hands, okay, yep. which is, oh. uh, I miss it. I, I, mean, I think it's important. The, the technology changes have been really monumental in helping even ministries get the message out. But mm -hmm. when it comes to loneliness and this epidemic that the Surgeon General was talking about, mm -hmm. it's huge. Yeah. Uh, and also a decrease in church involvement in faith activities is a symptom mm -hmm. we've seen, right? Mm -hmm. uh, beyond that, he also mentions there as COVID decreased the size of our social networks, as I mentioned earlier, but I didn't know by an actual percentage, which mm -hmm. they measured of 16%. Correct. That's pretty significant. Uh, it don't, doesn't sound like it, but it really is. So think yeah. about your own life, how you may have um, experienced this in, in your own social uh, corners. Mm -hmm. So what's the world's solution? is not the solution that God would have. And that would be the government <laughs> coming up with public policy or initiatives mm -hmm. to strengthen that social infrastructure. Mm -hmm. I mean, there might be some things that, that could help do that, but mm -hmm. probably not the long-term solution. Mm -hmm. here's, the, here's something we talked about also recently, and I'd like you to expound on a little bit, this idea or notion that you could actually rent a friend. Mm -hmm. Pretty wild idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it goes along with this notion of loneliness, um, which actually couples with rise in depression. Mm -hmm. So uh, the if you look at the rise in wealth in America, you will see a rise in depression, um, which is correlated to loneliness. And so um, interesting, the rent-a-friend concept is actually worldwide. You can go on, run a friend site. Everybody can do this. There's, I think, like 10 new kinds of run a friends that have different names. Run a friend will always be the brand. But, you know, think about a world where people are absent true friendships because they're so busy working, making money. That's usually the number one reason why people rent friends is their careers. They have no business or no time to invest in friendships. And so they're without relationships to do things that we normally would do. You know, the movies have us believe you need somebody to take rent to take to a wedding. Um, 
But the other piece is not having relationships toward the end of life. And, Mm -hmm. you know, working in the geriatric field in my earlier career, it is amazing to see what has happened um, from people like not living in the same part of the country. So your kids aren't necessarily around um, having less children. If anything happens to the single child that you have, there's no one to care for you. And so you're starting to see um, that absence of family uh, is creating this huge gap with the elderly, which I think we've we've resourced with companionship um, in different ways through the last couple of decades. But um, I think one of the troubling things that we're hearing is people will say, we're just unwilling to sacrifice um, for friendship because like it, it takes a lot to invest in friendship. And so, you know, I think about the rise in prostitution came from people not wanting to invest in the relationship and the sexual relationship with their partner. And yes, that's not necessarily the biblical concept of um sexuality but because of that prostitution was on the rise and i think about now we're just going to pay people as if they're a commodity to be our friends because we just are becoming so self-centered that it's easier um to just buy somebody else to satisfy those material needs and um you know it's kind of crazy it actually goes along with one of the causes of the brokenness which is we tend to exploit exploit people but yet we call this a good thing because we're getting companionship and so it just you know is interesting to me i would say my biggest concern with all of this is the world has a very fundamental flaw when it comes to the problem definition around loneliness depression um you know any of those things it and the the big thing that is the problem it denies that we're each made in the image of God with a kingdom operating system, which I would call that operating system Shalom. That's why Shalom is becoming such an important study for me. Um, but that is so antithetical to the world's operating system. And so really to solve the problem means we need to replace our operating system with Shalom. Um, it's not happening. So let's repeat this again as the crux of our argument here. The world has a fundamental flaw when it comes to problem definition around loneliness. And that definition includes that each of us is made in the image of God with a kingdom operating system of shalom that is completely antithetical to the world's operating system. So I will say this, if you have not intentionally done the work to replace your operating system or even realize the impacts of the current cultural worldview on how your Christianity is expressed, then probably some of this stuff is coming up for you as well. Um, And so sometimes we buy into uh, the world system and the way these things are responded to. Um, Rewriting some of the code, just going in there and saying, okay, same operating system, let's just do a few rewrites. Um, Let's give it to the government and have them kind of change a few things in public policy, um, it's not gonna bring about the desired results. And I think that's the bigger concern that I have and that as Christians, we fully understand where this problem lies. Um, 
God has to be put back at the epicenter of everything um, because that's actually what rewrites selfishness, greed, our willingness to exploit others, um, which is incredibly sinful. Um, and it's part of the human operating system. I, I think slavery was a good way to look mm. at that, you know, and you'll see our worldview that I um, want to bring up here a little bit, which is, you know, uh, Western materialism meets evangelical Gnosticism. That whole worldview that started back in the 17th century has really, really impacted our ability to act each day here according to the world's rules or to the kingdom rules versus going with the world's rules. Yeah. So the, this concept of Shalom, again, back to it, this question. So can, you know, humans flourish in the absence of Shalom? You know, when you were talking, I was thinking about what we've studied and talked about a lot, which is this idea of neuroplasticity, how we can rewire mm -hmm. our brain to think differently, operate on that different, an operating system, which you said there has to be a shift in that. It's not mm -hmm. government funded, it's mm -hmm. kingdom funded, it's God ordained in a way that we can, because he created this way, we can begin to think differently. Yes. Uh, and facing the sort of the trauma of what many of us experienced over the COVID era and even trying to rework our system, our internal systems to adopt this notion that Shalom is really the only way. Mm -hmm. And it, we can't flourish unless we come into a place where that becomes part of our operating system. Um, you know, we, um, Philippians 4, 7 is a good reference here in the peace of God, which surpasses mm -hmm. all understanding, mm -hmm. will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So that, that idea of guarding it, it, in, in the original text, it's, a, it's forming a garrison. So it's actually a, protection of the heart uh, that comes as a result of, of just a, a better connection when we you know, when we adopt the heart and mind of Jesus to understand how he operates and he'll guard that against some of the things that we're talking about even mm -hmm. today mm -hmm. but the the word shalom that concept uh, doesn't translate real well into the English mm -hmm. as so many things do not translate well <laughs> right, into the exactly. English I mean we have such limited ability to define things correctly and this word i think um i grew up believing that shalom was peace mm. you know mm -hmm. um and equating it to the peace which surpasses all understanding which is true if that's your operating system you're going to have peace given to you by god that passes all understanding but the limitation in that translation um from the hebrew shows that we kind of just look at peace. We don't understand the passing of the greeting of Shalom um, in Hebrew culture. I mean, it's not only the greeting of hello, it's the greeting of goodbye. And it is very, very significant. In Hebrew, it means peace, but harmony, wholeness, completeness, completeness prosperity, but not necessarily financial. It means uh, welfare slash health, like, you know, you're complete in your health um, and that nothing is missing and nothing is broken. So it is 
a big definition. Um, often it's considered the absence of war or any type of conflict, even interpersonal conflict. Um, here's the key to shalom. It always involves reconciliation. So you cannot have shalom without being reconciled. So to bring shalom means to restore relationships. Um, not just to stop fighting, but to take two things that are completely opposite. So right now politics can be a good way of looking at this, but taking two opposites and having them work together toward the good, to a common good, that's actually shalom. And so it is so much more than breaking a conflict or it is the true definition of really loving and serving other people um, to bring about an outcome of service. And so it just amazing. The fact that Jesus is the Prince of Shalom, um, the Prince of Peace, he brings shalom that will never end. And so we have the possibility of living in this and um, not sure that we always do. You know, another thing that recently I discovered um, is that in Hebrew, oftentimes you'll have a pictorial form of a word. And so it breaks it down into the meaning behind the letters. And this to me was probably the coolest definition of shalom um, that I've seen. It's kind of a hidden meaning. And so when you bless somebody with shalom, it's kind of prophetic in what you're praying out over them. And the letters mean to destroy the authority connected with chaos and confusion. Let me read that again. To destroy the authority connected with chaos and confusion. I mean, that is amazing that when you're praying shalom, you're basically praying the destruction of the enemy and anything he has done um, in your life and the systems that you're working with. I mean, it's a huge blessing. It reminded me of number 6, 24 through 26. Okay, I get to read that. Yep. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, which we often recite as a benediction. That's mm -hmm. uh, the end of our time together sometimes. But I have never really understood Shalom to be all the things you define that be, as being. So I'm sure a lot of our listeners are going to want to get, you know, go a little deeper into that, mm -hmm. even themselves and do this study mm -hmm. in a way that they start to redefine this idea of what Shalom is. Right. Yes. I thought immediately Shalom peace. Okay. So it's yep. peace. It's just peace got mm -hmm. be upon you. Mm -hmm. It's much more. It is so much more. Yeah. Yeah. I think when we talk about, you know, the kingdom rules versus the world rules. Shalom is the kingdom rules. Yeah. It is what, you know, the operating system of heaven itself. It's what allows true, authentic um, love, agape love to mm -hmm. flow. It's, it's so significant. And you certainly see it in the triune nature of God um, in respecting each other. Yeah. In community, it's pretty interesting that shalom, and think about why, I mean, it is the only thing that allows authentic relationships to really blossom um, and for people to be their true selves um, and even give that away, give, you know, as we say, we're wounded healers, we give away our hurts for the sake of others healing, but it takes incredible vulnerability 
and acceptance and shalom is what makes that possible. So my guess is that uh, we a lot of theory here, a lot of con mm -hmm. conversation on a, on a higher level. Is there a specific example that you could use personally uh, from your own life that would sort of highlight the, this idea of how important shalom, peace, and all the other definitions of shalom are and how the absence of that can really sideline relationships. Do you have anything mm -hmm. you would think of as I'm kind of mm -hmm. feeding this in your direction that comes yeah. to mind? Yeah. Well, I think the interesting thing for me is really discovering shalom, the meaning of shalom, um, as well as what love looks like. I love to say, what does mm -hmm. love look like in a situation? God has really wrestled with me um, to get out of my self-centeredness oftentimes. And, you know, even when I'm attacked by someone, um, to respond in a way, not to have a reciprocal response, but to really say, wow, that was painful, that's hurtful, but, and this person even has an opposite view, if you will, of who I am. I mean, this feels really hard because it's not who God has shown me that I am, but to be able to bring shalom to the brokenness of that relationship means loving people and putting that person ahead of yourself. And so um, in very real practical ways, I think in the last year, the concept of how you live out relationships, um, bringing shalom to the relationship has really started to change you know, some of the things that are hard for me to let go of, like retaliation and, you know, or just blowing people off because they've been terrible to me. It just, um, yeah, it, kingdom's ways are very different. Well, and the, the, one of the things that we've talked about a lot, even in, in our teaching, is the uh, importance of understanding the story that we tell ourselves. Mm -hmm. There's a, a whole dialogue or narrative that rolls around in our brains a lot of times when we're put into a situation where um, relationships and conflict comes into play mm -hmm. and shalom is absent when yeah. we start telling ourselves these stories. And yes. I, I think yes. of uh, a couple things that I refer to often. Number one is a book that was written by Joseph Grenny and his team, who actually will be on the podcast here shortly, uh, Crucial Conversations and mm -hmm. how we... Um, our effort should be to come to some uh, pool of shared meaning, as they mm. call it. And I also think of Covey's uh, classic book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, mm -hmm. and the idea of seeking first to understand before mm -hmm. seeking to be understood. Mm -hmm. All those are great ways for us to, to remember the importance in relationship of working, going the extra mile. Mm -hmm. Uh, rewiring our brain to understand mm -hmm. what shalom is from God's perspective mm -hmm. and then building on that in relationships. That's how we flourish. Mm -hmm. Life is about relationships. Life is not about finding ways to isolate ourselves into loneliness and renting a friend when it's convenient Right to, to help, you know, mm. fill that gap. Uh, there's so many distorted ways that can go if we're not paying attention 
And that is not the way God designed us. The triune God is, in, is, is a we God. It's always we. It's always mm -hmm. the God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And every piece is of our life. Uh, there's a few scriptures that, just to refer to them. Uh, 1 John 3, 16. Jesus said, lay down his, his, said lay, lay down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Amen. Important. Bear one another's burdens, Galatians 6, mm -hmm. 2. Go and read these on your own in detail. Serve one another in John 13. Mm -hmm. Encourage one another, 1 Thessalonians 5, 11. And live in harmony with one another, Romans 12, 16. And be honest with one another, Colossians 3, 9, which is what I'm referring to. We have to be, yeah. we have to be honest in relationships. We have to be honest with ourselves. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we just fool, we can fool ourselves into believing one thing, which ends up being a total lie. Mm -hmm. and stands in the way of shalom, stands in the way of relationship mm -hmm. with uh, each other and even with God. That's yeah. the, the hard part right yeah. there. Well, yeah, if you look at the consequences of the fall, we often will refer to the four key relationships um, that fell. I mean, they were distorted because of uh, Adam and Eve's choice to eat that stupid fruit. <laughs> yeah. Wow more importantly to say we know better than God yes. how to run our own lives. And I mean, looking at those consequences, and I, I would say this is probably the key to where um, humans can't flourish without shalom, is we have to restore the consequences of that. And, you know, so when we think about the relational consequences, we fell from God first and foremost. Yeah. Yeah, um, we fell from ourself, we fell from each other, and we fell from creation. And when you think about that, when we fell from God, we fell from the source of everything that we need mm -hmm. to, to fully live. Um, it's kind of like we fell from not having the right gasoline to put in our vehicle, you know, we're throwing bananas and all kinds of crap in there and trying to run our car. I mean, that's how significant it is. So the synthetic things that we use will not make mm -hmm. our engine run efficiently. Um, but the bigger problem was when we fell from self, our identity is completely marred. We be, you know, make whatever fictitious person we want to. Um, so we're not vulnerable, but you have to restore your relationship with God, even to have a clear view of who you really are, your true self, who mm. you were created for. And so even some of the definitions that are from loneliness about, you know, people not having meaning and purpose, it all goes back to the consequences of the fall, you know, and then community, come on, you know, the division mm. that we see in discussion boards and things of people who are not of the same tribe, um, there's total absence of shalom, shalom and community, but it comes from our incredible self-centeredness. Only when we become God-centered can we have a true image of ourself and have something to give away of ourself. Mm -hmm. You know, and finally, I mean, creation, come on, look at, you can't turn on the news without seeing the tsunami, the earthquake, the, I mean, the earth is groaning because mm -hmm. of, um, our sin, everything in the earth, including the animals are groaning. So very interesting, the linkage to human flourishing when we talk about consequences of the fall. Well, and, and the striving for happiness that 
we all have as human beings, which never has been guaranteed. We get mm -hmm. fleeting moments that we look for. Of course, mm -hmm. oftentimes we try to chase that down in dysfunctional ways, but mm -hmm. in the end, it, it results in a lack of shalom, mm -hmm. uh, an inability to really connect with the heart of God and with each other. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, big time. I think it's interesting. So the concept of human flourishing um, could seem to some of you to have come out of nowhere. Um, but a little over a decade ago, psychology decided that it was always focusing on negative things, negative uh, issues when mental health turned against itself versus the positive kind of mental health and wellness. And so this field of positive psychology came about to deal with that. And human flourishing, what it takes to flourish has been one of the definitions of positive psychology. So more and more, we're gonna hear about human flourishing. In fact, the World Health Organization has a definition of human flourishing. Uh, Harvard and many of the uh, big schools um, have researched what it takes to flourish. And, you know, unfortunately, apart from Christ, these worldviews do nothing really to respond to the consequences of fallen relationship. I mean, it, it views things. The science actually shows us the damage from the fall. But the conclusions of how we resolve that um, just are not really helpful. And they kind of really inflate happiness and apart from joy, mm. there really is no right. true happiness. And joy, by definition, is you know the full confidence that God is in control of every aspect of our lives. That's right. the only thing that can produce um, that true, joyful, contented, happy living. And so it, it is interesting um, that worldview matters. Yeah, here's a scripture for you. Uh, Psalm 92, 12 through 15. I love this one. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree, tall and old and life-giving. Mm -hmm. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. Mm. So you will see a lot in the Psalms that talk about human flourishing. And all of them have... Um, righteousness and right standing before God as a basis. It can only come through accepting Jesus that true reconciliation can come. And so, you know, I love that the Psalms and, and even some of the Proverbs are telling us what to look for and what the good life really looks like. And um, yeah, it's all old and life-giving. If I get to the end of my life, I don't know that I'll grow taller, but uh <laughs> But it's more about standing straight, um, being able to hold your head up, I think, are more the pieces that this is referring to. Yeah, unfortunately, I think we get shorter the older we get. At least that was my mother's case. Remember, she started at 5'1 oh, and ended up at about 4'10". Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yes. It was hard to watch her but shrink. We, but we'll see. God sees us as our original. Yeah. 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 I think um, so that we're not going on on too long here. Um, just a couple things for people to think about, like, where did we go so wrong? And even, I think one of my big concerns is why does the church 
in this regard not look much different than secular society. Um, and I think we need to wrestle with changing our operating system, which means at times we have to deny the culture that we live in and we're brought up in. And, you know, I often will go back to the Reformation, the Enlightenment of things that really were not helpful to the church um, as much as we think they may be. But when you think about the 17th century um, and the fight of Protestantism and Catholicism and trying to have this universal religion that everybody kind of could subscribe to in Christianity, we saw so much division come out of that time. In fact, you know, that's where when I think about Ireland, my mm -hmm. homeland, mm -hmm. um, and I start to think about what Catholics and Protestants did to each other. But then you you magnify that was going on all over the world. Right. And even much of the reason why our country even exists, because people were trying to escape the persecution mm -hmm. of having different ideas. And so, but that period actually formed the basis um, of something that we live in and usually won't identify. And that's called Western materialism. Um, most of the time it was devoid of God completely. And uh, it really came out of a belief that was more common in that time. And even the whole movement of evangelism was the body is really bad. Like our physical being is really, really bad because it's operating on sin. But the soul is really good because that's the connection to the spiritual. And so our whole emphasis started in evangelism to get the soul to heaven. In other words, um, if we can just get people saved, they're going to be fine forever because they're in this rotten physical body that is just going to keep sinning constantly. And so the body needs to get what it can get while it's here on earth. Um, it needs to create its own forms of happiness. But the soul, as long as it is saved, we're okay with that. Well, goodness gracious, that is not the gospel. So Western materialism was really bad. And then what happened was as Christians adopted that worldview, then this new thing called evangelical Gnosticism started to arise. And people don't need to understand the terminology, but they need to understand what does it look like? Um, and what it really did was it took secular, the secular world and I always say it put, you know, a cross and a chalice on that world's table, kept the operating system of the world, but called that holy. Um, and it's been operating in the world quite a bit. If you look at, especially the church in America, that basically materialism is where we should live, um, but if we put God on top of it and get the soul to heaven, then we're fine for eternal life. And it's really wreaked havoc in the church. Um, so yeah, I we found all kinds of ways to justify that. But when we talk about you know returning to an operating system of shalom, it means a lot of denial of the things that fundamentally we've come up in. We, this is our normal. We're plugged into the matrix. Um, unless we take the, I think it was the blue pill in the matrix. Yeah. I can't remember the color of the pills, but unless you take it, you cannot see what is really going on. Um, and in the matrix, it was that the machines took over 
And uh, yeah, we're just reaping off of us, our energy, but implanting in our minds that great things were happening and we we're having this great life. I'm not so sure that Satan hasn't done the same thing to yeah. our operating system. And so as a result, most of us are just not even aware that this is where we're operating out of. Hmm. So we have, um, well, there's a lot to cover here, but one of the things as you're talking about that, that I, that comes to my mind is how, how hard it is to balance the life of knowing that, um, we have a mission, but the world is working against it. Uh, we do have what we call our salvation or oftentimes we interpret it as our ticket to heaven, but there is so much more available to us, mm -hmm. which is inside of the, the, the boundaries and the definitions of Shalom. How do we pursue that on a greater level? And I think for this is a, a great passage that Paul shares in mm -hmm. Colossians. And I think we should look at it a little deeper. So I'm going to read it and you can comment on it. Okay. And, um, well, read it in the way that don't read the whole passage, just read Colossians 3, 2 to begin with. Because here's okay. the interesting thing about this passage. Most of us know this passage. When you hear it, you're going to say, oh yeah, I know this passage. But when we take scripture out of context, we don't look at the whole passage. It means something different. This passage, um, if you just look at uh, 3, 2, actually would support the soul being in heaven and the physical body getting what it needs now. So if you can read it from that oh, perspective, yes. it's, so that it's, would be so helpful. It's familiar to all of us. Set mm -hmm. your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. So there's no way to, you can't, yes. So to your point, let's mm -hmm. look at it in the context. Then it says, goes on to say, since then you have been raised with Christ, mm -hmm. set your hearts on things above where mm -hmm. Christ is seated at the right hand of God, mm -hmm. set your minds on things above, not on earthly things yep. for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory put to death. Therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, and then he goes on to define it, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. He did the same thing in Ephesians. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices, and put on a new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge in the image of its creator. Here, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Yes. So there's a lot there. Mm -hmm. I can go on, which I will, because I think it's important. Therefore, mm -hmm. as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Some of the fruit of the spirit, bear with each other and forgive one another. If you, any of you has a grievance against someone, we talked about this earlier, what do you do? Well, Matthew 18 even tells us how to deal with that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Amen. Let the peace 
of Christ ruling your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Mm. <laughs> and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Through him. Amen. It's amazing. Amen. I mean, that's a... We could spend an hour on that, but you, you get mm -hmm. the idea. Critically important mm -hmm. to focus on these things. Yeah. I, I think um, just in closing, what I love about our ministry is that we're focused on the restoration that came from the fall, which is first and foremost, restoring individuals to a right understanding of who God is not a God made in our own image what we want him to be but who God truly is absent that we will never have a true understanding of who we are our giftedness the things that we have that God has given us that actually contribute to a much larger story and that gives us meaning and purpose um, which is part of flourishing and if we cannot become whole, we cannot participate in a community becoming whole. So we have to bring our restored self. We have to embrace our brokenness um, as a way to restoration so that we even have anything to offer to community. Um, and even with that right thinking, to have a context of what does it mean to right size our fall from creation what are we really called to do um and you know so i love our ministry because this is our focus is on people living um changing their operating system to shalom that's some new language that we haven't introduced before but we have introduced um you know living having a gospel that is not so small that it doesn't include uh, a story of change that allows us to go back while we're still on earth to go back and live in the garden. In other words, connected to God um, in right standing in a place where he fulfills everything for us. And as a result, we don't need to try to find all these synthetic things to fill us. Um, and that is the place of true human flourishing. I mean, that is shalom to be in God's presence where we're just little kids. He's the big daddy, you know, who's taking care of the things he needs to take care of. Well, thanks for posing the question, Carl. This is a good one. Can humans flourish in the absence of shalom? We say no, especially for those of us that are kingdom minded mm -hmm. and want God's best for our life. Mm -hmm. So until next time, friends, thanks for joining us and blessings to you all. And I will add shalom to each of you. Uh, peace be with you. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Amen. Amen. This was another episode of the Embracing Brokenness podcast. For more information on Embracing Brokenness Ministries or to subscribe to our blog, podcast, YouTube channel, or engage with us on social media, please visit our website at embracingbrokenness.org. Thanks for joining us.